with topics ranging from how cloud computing is streamlining government operations to exploring the intersection of machine learning and healthcare data. Foley and Larder's Innovative Technology Insights podcast examines not just the legal ramifications of developments at the cutting edge of technology, but how they are affecting businesses, governments, and individuals. In each episode, we will lead discussions between researchers, industry leaders, and regulators for their thoughts on this changing world. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to Foley's Innovative Tech Insights podcast today. My name is Jen Urban. I'm a partner at Foley and Lardner. I'm also co-chair of the Privacy and Cyber Subsector of the Innovative Tech Committee and vice chair of our Tech Transactions Cyber and Privacy Group. I'm joined here today with Sam Goldstick, who's a senior counsel in our Chicago office. We wanted to talk about some of the new requirements under Colorado and Connecticut's privacy laws because they just came into effect on July 1st. One of the most common questions we get from clients is, what do we do now to comply with Colorado and Connecticut? Sam and I will talk through some of the high-level differences to help you adapt your new program. So one of the first things we're going to get into is, do I have to comply with Colorado and Connecticut's privacy law? As many of you know, California's CPRA has a very broad applicability threshold. It's really based on revenues. The difference with Colorado and Connecticut is that you need to process at least either 100,000 plus consumers information in a calendar year, or you need to process 25,000 plus and derive or get some discount of related to the sale of data. So in other words, even though you have to comply with California law, you may not need to comply with Colorado or Connecticut. Some of the other major differences is that Colorado applies to nonprofits. So many of those nonprofits out there have not had to comply with California or Virginia, but now need to come into compliance with Colorado. Also, Another main difference is that under the CPRA, as many of you know, it applies broadly not only to consumer information, but also to employee and B2B contact information. The good news is that Colorado and Connecticut do not apply to employee and B2B contact information. There are also many different exceptions for certain types of entities or data. We're not going to go through all of them. One of the interesting ones is that there is an entity level exemption for financial institutions under Colorado and Connecticut. So that's a high level overview. I mean, I guess our best recommendation is to revisit whether your organization needs to actually comply with Colorado and Connecticut before even diving in to amend your program to comply with their requirements. So we're gonna start out with one of the most common questions we get, and I'm gonna direct this to Sam. So Sam, the big question always is, do we need to update our privacy notice to comply with these new Colorado and Connecticut requirements? Yeah, and so I'll start with Connecticut. And Connecticut's privacy notice requirements are far less prescriptive than in California and Colorado, and generally include disclosures that are already required under the CPRA with one caveat. So companies that are subject to Connecticut's law and process personal data for targeted advertising purposes will need to describe how Connecticut residents can exercise their right to opt out of targeted advertising. Targeted advertising is similar to the concept of sharing under California's law, but has broader applicability. And so companies are going to want to examine whether or not 
their practices are considered targeted advertising, and if so, they would want to speak to that in their privacy notice. But beyond that, there's not much of a change between those two laws. In Colorado, unlike California's law, Colorado requires companies to map each category of personal data that they collect to their specific use of that data. So in other words, companies have to specify in their privacy notices the express purpose for which each category of personal data is used. And strangely enough, as prescriptive as California is, that level of specificity isn't required in California's privacy notice requirements. So, Jen, yet another common question that clients ask us all the time is, how is sensitive data treated under Colorado and Connecticut's law, and how do they compare to sensitive personal information under the CPRA? Yeah, great question, Sam. So under the CPRA, we had this new concept of sensitive information. And the reason why that's important is that under CPRA, you have to provide consumers the opt-out right to not process sensitive data. And so this is it has caused a lot of companies to kind of go through about what data are we collecting? Is it sensitive? Do we have to offer these different opt-out rights? And California has a very broad definition of what is considered to be sensitive data. The good news under, well, there's good and bad news. Under Colorado and Connecticut, the definition of sensitive information is more limited. It doesn't include things such as driver's license number, social security number, passport, financial account information. Arguably, Colorado and Connecticut do not cover health information as broadly as California does. And there's some other nuances between the definition. And so that's the good news is, first of all, you have to think, what data are we collecting that would even be sensitive? under California, Colorado, or Connecticut. But the major difference under Colorado and Connecticut is that rather than doing an opt-out to limit the use of sensitive data like you do in California, you actually have to get consumers to opt in. And there's prescriptive consent requirements in particular under Colorado. And what we're seeing, what this really means is clients, as I mentioned in the beginning, is they're really thinking through, do we need to collect this type of data? Not only do we have to figure out whether we need opt-out rights or opt-in consent for collecting sensitive information, but also just the general data minimization concepts that are in these laws. Do we really need to collect this information? How long should we retain it? And then furthermore, even beyond the privacy requirements is, should we be collecting things like social security number, financial account number? What if we have a data breach or an incident? That type of data certainly heightens the risk for an organization to continue to maintain and collect that. So very important to consider what types of sensitive information you're collecting and are you giving the right opt-in or opt-out rights to consumers to process their data. Before we move on to other sections, we're not going to go through all of the differences with consumer rights and data subject rights. We're just going to hit some of them on a high level. Sam already mentioned that Colorado and Connecticut really have a broader definition, arguably, of targeted advertising that could also imply to internal uses rather than just disclosures to third parties. And so if you're doing any sort of types of targeted advertising, it's taking a look at those definitions to see if it would affect any sort of your internal uses. There still is an opt-out outright. But again, just looking at how Colorado and Connecticut define targeted advertising. Also, with regard to 
profiling, a concept that has not been solidified yet under CPRA. We're waiting for those regs. Colorado has very prescriptive requirements around profiling. So in the event that you would be considering to do any sort of profiling, uh, we recommend looking at Colorado's requirements while we're waiting for the CPR regs to come out on that piece. Some other high level things is, you know, a lot of organizations are trying to figure out what are we going to do about global privacy controls, opt-out preference signals, universal opt-out mechanisms. I would say the good news now for Colorado and Connecticut is we've got some time. I mean, Colorado is set, you know, that you don't have to have something in place to next year, July 1, 2024. And Connecticut is even farther out, January 2025. We work with a lot of clients trying to figure out how are we going to honor these global privacy controls? And hopefully we'll get more guidance about universal opt-out mechanisms that are specifically approved. So stay tuned for that. But the good news is we do have some time under Colorado and Connecticut. Now, moving over to some more interesting questions we commonly get from clients is, Sam, can you really talk about with regard to financial incentive programs? How is that going to change for a client that has a financial incentive program pursuant to California law or does not? How is that going to apply now under Colorado and Connecticut? Good question, Jen. And so I would say that if you are a company that is subject to Connecticut's law that has a financial incentive program already that's covered by CPRA, no further changes would need to be made because Connecticut does not specifically regulate or have any specific requirements governing financial incentive or loyalty programs. Colorado does, though, however, as does California. And they both regulate personal information that's used for loyalty programs, but go about it in different ways. And I just want to take a couple moments to explain some of these distinctions. With regard to the scope, California appears to have a broader scope in terms of the types of activities that it regulates. It generally sweeps in any circumstance in which a consumer provides a business with personal information in order to receive a discount or other type of benefit, which is extremely broad. Colorado's requirements are more targeted at traditional loyalty or rewards programs in which consumers sign up to receive points or discounts or other benefits on an ongoing basis when they make qualifying purchases. So the scope in California is broader meaning that in Colorado, if you do have a loyalty program that's under Colorado law, it would be swept under the rug for California. Something to note, though, in that vein is that there's very little overlap between the notice requirements for financial incentives and loyalty programs under California and Colorado law. And due to the differences in these disclosure requirements, businesses that are subject to both laws in California and in Colorado will need to decide whether to create separate loyalty notices for California or Colorado or combine them into a single expanded notice directed to consumers in both states. Yeah, really the bottom line, Sam, is what you're saying is you really have to look at what you're doing under your program. And unfortunately, the devil's in the details there to see how you need to expand it based on the new requirements. Exactly. Yep, that's right. I would say one other distinction is that California requires businesses to obtain opt-in consent from consumers before they enroll in a financial incentive program. And that consent or opt-in consent requirement doesn't carry over in in Colorado to the extent that sensitive data is not being collected by a business in connection with enrolling someone into their loyalty program. All that would be needed is that the consumer's participation in Colorado is voluntary. Very good. So, 
another question is with regard to data protection assessments. This is a common question we always get from clients. When do we need to do these? What are the requirements? Similar to what we mentioned before, the CPRA, we don't have regs out yet. So with regard to Colorado and Connecticut, what are some things that we should consider with regard to data protection assessments? Data protection assessments in those states center on or are triggered when companies are engaging in quote-unquote higher risk processing activities. And these can include things such as processing sensitive data or engaging in selling or targeted advertising. However, unlike California, which is yet to enact regulations, Colorado and Connecticut require such assessments to include extensive content. And a non-exhaustive list of some of this content includes things such as the technologies or processors that are used the operational details behind the processing activity at issue, the types of risks involved to the rights of consumers, and what measures and safeguards are in place to protect consumers. And for companies that are also, I would say, required to comply with the GDPR, it is strongly recommended to also look at guidance that was issued by the European Data Protection Board for data protection impact assessments as it sets forth really good detail in terms of what is expected in those types of assessments as they are not the exact same types of assessments that are carried out in Colorado and Connecticut. Yeah, that's a very good point about looking to GDPR and some of the guidance there because these concepts have not been fully flushed out yet here in the U.S. I think that's a very useful resource for clients. So what if we're not in compliance with these laws yet? (laughs) We're not ready. (laughs) We're not ready for this new effective date. Do organizations have an ability to cure? How does that work under these new regulations? That's a very good question that we've been asked a lot. And it's worth noting that the CPRA in California eliminated the 30-day cure period that was originally provided for under the CCPA. And that's a new change all entirely. So there is no cure period in California, which could indicate higher enforcement risk in that state as opposed to others that do have a cure period, such as in Connecticut and Colorado, which has a 60-day window. But it's worth noting that that flexibility to cure in those two states sunsets at the end of 2024. That's really helpful. I mean, we get a lot of questions from clients about enforcement. What are we going to see? Unfortunately, as these are all relatively new laws, whether it's California, Virginia, Colorado, Connecticut, it is kind of a wait and see enforcement atmosphere. I mean, we follow obviously CPRA enforcement actions very closely. We'll have to see what is yet to come under Colorado and Connecticut. But Due to the fact that enforcement is still somewhat in flux, in particular around these new laws, we help clients every day try to assess what aspects of these laws they should really hit home. Obviously, anything that is public facing, like a privacy notice, et cetera, or opt-out or opt-in rights need to be focused on. But our team here is happy to help any of you all out there with these questions and how to prioritize your efforts to comply with these new privacy compliance requirements and how to adapt your program. Thank you for listening to this production from Foley & Lardner, LLP. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and is intended as a general overview. The podcast does not constitute legal advice nor solicitation to provide legal services. It's not meant to convey a legal position of Foley and Lardner LLP on behalf of any client, nor is it intended to convey specific legal advice.
Any opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of the firm, its partners, or its clients. In listening to the podcast does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. The listener should not act upon this information without seeking counsel from a licensed attorney. Foley makes no representations or warranties of any kind, expressed or implied, as to the content of the podcast or to its accuracy or completeness, and accepts no responsibility for an individual who acts or refrains from acting based on information obtained from the podcast. In some jurisdictions, the contents of this podcast may be considered attorney advertising. If applicable, please note that prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.